0: A jazz classic with a compositional credit mystery. A song about everything that is not. And a track simply known as the most mysterious song on the internet. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variations is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school, Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. Hey folks, another themes and variation for you. We've got three very mysterious tracks that we dive into on this episode. And as always, all of our perspectives very Greatly in terms of the song that we actually chose to break down, we've got songs that look at mystery in composition, songs that you know have a mystery in the actual meaning of the track, and then our last track is just the biggest musical mystery I've ever come across. So, joining Mahay and I on this episode is our dear friend, singer, songwriter, producer, and trumpeter, Reese Tivy. He has a really, really big mix of spirituality and activism that you can absolutely hear in the music that he makes. Reese was also just one of my favorite collaborators during my time in New York, and it was so fun to catch up with him talk music, and we really have a lot of fun on this episode. And hey, if you enjoy this episode and you like the podcast, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, as always, be sure to check out soundfly.com for all of your music learning needs. We have a very, very, very exciting array of courses coming out in the not-too-distant future to join our already very, very extensive course library that you can access right now at soundfly.com. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, Mysterious Songs. All right, folks, another edition of Themes and Variation. Uh, Joining me, of course, Mejia, 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 how are you doing, Mahaya?
1: I feel like we talked about this, but I'm doing well, as you know. I'm doing great. talk about it every time? Yeah, yeah, how are you?
0: I'm great. And it's, it's just being cordial and polite, I think, asking anybody how they're <laughs> doing. And, and I'm going to continue to do that. So be ready for it the next episode that we do. Excellent. And joining us on this very special edition of Themes and Variation, a good friend of both Maha and I's, and a good friend of yours, dear listener, (laughs) Mr. Reese Tivy Reese, how you doing, man?
2: Hello. (laughs) It is my absolute pleasure to be here with y'all on this podcast. I love seeing your, nobody else on the podcast knows this, but I get to see your beautiful faces (laughs) (laughs) on the video screen
0: yep 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 yeah dude i am so excited and thank you so much for for joining us and today we're talking mysterious songs Ooh, I'm, I'm excited to see where we go with this one i knowing what everybody selected and this is kind of where i like to to jump off on the on the podcast were there any songs that you considered for the theme mysterious songs uh, but just didn't end up picking for one reason or another
2: I'm laughing because it's like a hard
0: no. <laughs> 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 really, you just I mean, that, I like, hard nos are great. I, then we just move yeah, on to yeah,
2: the yeah, next. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm actually excited to share with you my hard no because, like, the song I chose, "Big Thief," not is such a passionate, like, love affair for me. There are mm. a number of Big Thief songs that I absolutely adore, and this one is, uh, like, hardcore up there.
0: Hey, were there any songs that you considered that you didn't pick for this uh, this theme of mysterious songs?
1: You know, yes. Um, I think Mm. the song that I choose for these episodes always kind of depends on the mood I'm in when you tell me what the theme is. Um, Which one of you chose this theme, by the way? This was a weird one for me.
0: It was a collaborative effort, but Reese actually made the call. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, it's a good one.
1: (laughs) I just think that were I more like awake and attentive rather than it being a little bit like in the distracted part of my day, I might've gone more in the direction of like, I don't know, Beethoven's Ninth, or something like that. Like, you know, songs that have some lore to them, um, which what I chose does, but in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. And I told you I was going to do it sarcastically at one point, Carter, and I seriously considered doing it for real. Hugh Laurie has a song called Mystery from the old show, um, a bit of Fry and Laurie. <laughs> a mystery
3: <laughs> you and I were never ever meant to be
1: that's why I call my love for you a mystery really thought about doing that song and I just decided I, I couldn't <laughs> so I, um, the yeah. o-
0: The on the nose choice is always great and fun until you realize that you have to talk about it for like 20 minutes. And then it's like, oh, now we're just stuck in this joke. I mean, I went even more mysterious
1: with it or even more on the nose with it, I should say. Yep. Yep. So I didn't really help myself out there and kind of wish that I had gone back to doing that after all. But uh, Carter, same question.
0: I mean, it's funny because the, the only song I did consider just an initial search of the theme uh, across the internet was the song that you actually ended up selecting. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, you, you know took what? The
1: other idea that I had.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. And uh, speaking of which, let's uh, let's have a listen to that song that I stole from Mahea <laughs> for the theme, Mysterious Songs. We're listening, of course, to Blue and Green. I want to dive into to the mystery, of course, but uh, first things first, lots of versions of this song. My all-time favorite, you know, we're listening to the version from Kind of Blue, which seminal jazz recording often referenced as the highest selling and grossing jazz record of all time. It's one of those albums that, it seems like if anybody has a record player even if they're not into jazz they probably have kind of yeah. blue. It is it's an incredible record. So what was the first track? I remember being in a theory class and my uh first like theory professor Kent Sangster uh playing So What and the first thing we ever had to do in class was like just write down what you hear. Not like and I had knew nothing about music. So I'm listening to like I think that's a walking, quote-unquote, bass line. Like, I had no idea what I was talking about. And I was like, "I I think I like this. Like, this is really cool. My favorite version is, of course, from the one and only Bill Evans, who we will be talking about quite a bit <laughs> in a moment, uh, from um, uh, Portrait and Jazz, uh, Scott LaFaro on bass. Oh, Scott, Scott LaFaro on bass. Unbelievable. And Paul Motion on drums.
2: experience I think growing up of uh well okay one thing is when I was growing up I had night terrors Mm. from the time I was like an infant until I was like 12 or something like that where like once or twice a year I would basically go non-consensually into like a 15 minute terrible acid trip Oh my god. That sounds awful. And it's absolutely terrifying for a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And where you I bet you're all wondering like how, why are you talking about this right now when you're talking, I asked you about Miles Davis. Take the wheel. You, Reese, you, take the wheel? Be take the <laughs> yeah. wheel. I'm taking I'm taking the wheel. We're taking a trip. <laughs> I'm going off-roading. <laughs> um no. <laughs> but so As a child, I had this experience of glimpsing into an unspeakable reality where like the filter comes up on what we experience on a day-to-day basis, like all of Mm. our presumptions about what reality is, how time works, like all these things that we're communicating about with one another as humans, like all of, like I had these weird experiences that were completely unexplainable by all of that on a phenomenological level. They're like kind of like a spiritual crisis, right? Mm. And I think... Until I started playing trumpet, I had no outlet for this really bizarre experience that felt really inexplicable and really isolating. My mom got me Kinda Blue, which this song is from. (laughs) ¶¶ initially I was really put off I was like this is so boring you know I'm like nine years old and I'm like yeah can that's... it get slower and more boring than this like no it can't like I don't turn it off you know and so like <clears throat> but something about it intrigued me and brought me back to it time and time again so like a couple months later you know trying it out over and over again then finally it clicks and I'm like oh wait actually this is like the best thing that has ever happened to me <laughs> by in my entire life is hearing this music. And so it was one of these like three like 180 degree flips mm-hmm. in terms of how I was relating to it. And then once, once I really fell in love, what connected it for me was I think that like people that are really into Miles Davis like kind of feel and connect with this legendary, iconic energy in him of being mm-hmm. this like prince of darkness or something like that. Yeah. And I think that that for me is like this really intimate, very personal metaphor for this experience that I had had at a child of being like re- having like glimpsing this really dark, really inexplicable energy that I didn't have any way to channel until I tr- until I started playing trumpet. So then like Miles is like exemplifying so profoundly this ability to express the absolutely inexplicable.
0: I love that that relationship to this record, to this song. It puts me in a bit of a box because I'm going the mystery of who composed this track. Right. I'm gonna take the side of not Miles at <laughs> all on this. So I it's you know, if you're gonna if we're gonna get into an argument here, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see Bro, what happens. I am
2: not I feel <laughs> I feel no hurt feelings in awesome. terms of the who wrote the chords? Um, so
0: <laughs> let's get into the mystery. There is a compositional question on this song. Who composed uh Blue and Green? Now, if you're new to jazz and new to learning music and you're in music school, you might find yourself with a real book. And you might find yourself having to play this tune. You flip it open. It says composed by... Miles Davis his name's right there front and center now that's absolutely the school of thought that I had but as you get more into music and you get you hear these rumblings it's like actually Bill Evans composed blue and green actually no bill evans composed that and then you start to get a sense of like like i i am very much in the camp of bill evans composed blue and green nobody could tell me otherwise <laughs> i have a few pieces of evidence that i would like to enter into the court of public opinion this oh my a god wow, this and, took and we'll see a what happens so. yeah. this
2: took a turn i don't know this was going to be like <laughs> like intellectual property
0: rights ownership conversation well <laughs> I, i'm not i, I I don't even think it's that. I just want to like it is the mystery behind the song, and uh, I think so often uh, too on these themes, like I the just story, I put, yeah, exactly, just
2: like the story of the origin. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's yeah. worth noting. Like to my knowledge, there weren't copyright disputes or. Or like rights disputes between the two of them or anything like that. It's just like this thing that comes up in music schools all over the world for some reason.
0: The first piece of evidence that I'm entering into uh, the court of public opinion is uh, Exhibit (laughs) A, uh, the intro that Bill Evans plays on Chet Baker's uh, version of Alone Together. Alone Together, another absolutely favorite standard. Mm -hmm. This is very subtle, but just listen to the first couple of bars of this intro.
2: Was that recorded before Blue and Green?
0: Well, Reese, I got a little information for you here. So that track was recorded (laughs) December of 1958 or January of 59. And Blue and Green for Kind of Blue was recorded in March 2nd, 1959. So at least a few months later. And it totally, totally sounds like it's Bill just kind of... He's, I, I've got this idea I've been working on. And Chet's like, okay, play play a little intro, Bill. Give me a little intro. And he's like, yeah, this is a perfect time for me to try that thing, that, Wait, so that piece that I'm thinking about. Wait, so I don't understand
2: why the credit isn't just Miles Davis and Bill Evans. I know. So I mean, do I.
0: But we're, we're, we're going to get there, folks, I think. Okay, maybe. Right. We'll see what happens. Another piece of evidence that I'm entering, this is this one will not ever hold up in court, but I'm going to share it anyways. So, uh, Bill Evans' son, who Bill, as creative as he was musically, not too creative in, in coming up with names for his children. His son's name is Evan Evans. <laughs> um, what? <yeah>. No! <laughs> so, is it actually? <laughs> no, Why yeah, did this yeah. Never
1: come up in my life until right I d- now. I don't know,
0: but anyway, Evan Evans. I least, actually kind of love Bill
2: Evans for that.
1: That's
0: yeah, yeah.
2: such a dumb sense of humor. It might have.
1: It
0: yeah. might have been. Evans? It might have been Evan's mother's choice at the time. Who knows? But anyways. Evan Evans. Now I found this in searching for you know who composed Blue and Green. Who composed it? I was I was you know I'm all over the internet. I'm just an internet sleuth trying to figure this out. Uh, I found this on a Google Groups message board, which I didn't know was a thing that even existed, but. This is from Evan Evans, Bill Evans' son. He starts off by saying, Hey, I'm Evan Evans. I'm Bill Evans. Son. Sure. And
3: then, <laughs> sure and then he gets is.
0: into, I take him at face value here. And then he gets into, so it is Earl Zindars, composer of Mother of Earl and How My Heart Sings, among others, that is the star witness here. I will double check with him if the melody was written by Miles. Uh, but as far as the piece is concerned, it was Bill's. Here's why. The piece was written at four in the morning in Earl Zindar's apartment the evening before the sessions on Earl's piano. Earl was there and Bill explained the music to him after he composed it as well as engaged him in conversation about the idea for it before sitting down to refine and complete it. I have Earl on tape to this effect and he can elaborate more clearly to me about it next time I see him. He said he's got a lot of like, uh, next time I see him, we'll, we'll clear this up. But he, he says, uh, he goes on to say, he's quite surprised when he hears otherwise and is not even adamant to defend the point. He simply says, Bill wrote it uh, right then and there in front of him at 4 a.m., no ifs, ands, or buts. So this is a piece of quote-unquote evidence that would get thrown out immediately. But there are other uh there is some corroboration of this story out there from other artists that like that it's just one of those like kind of known secrets that like bill composed this and the, the story kind of goes that miles was like hey here's this chord gave him a g minor 6 start with that and and write something
2: I think this kind of speaks to the nature of collaboration again, where it's like we have maybe developed a like kind of common understanding of how to go about doing collaboration in a way in which people's contributions are um, in in the music sphere are like adequately reflected And, you know, there are obviously problems left and right constantly happening everywhere in the music industry where, like, people are signing deals that they don't end up actually feeling like reflect the value of their work or people are stealing stuff left and right, X, Y, Z. But, like, I think we kind of have developed some kind of understanding of, like, what ideally it looks like for if somebody contributes something to a song that gets composed, then that is reflected in the ownership that we know of, but like you're saying, Carter, like back then, there's maybe that wasn't as much as of the concern mm. right yep. away. Yep. I don't know. I would yeah, think these no, would be I, two I
1: artists who wouldn't have that topic at the forefront of their minds most of the time, as well. Mm. You know, like, I, like jazz is a little different from if this were. You know, Columbia Records putting out the next big rock and roll pop hit or whatever, where a whole bunch of people need to get paid for all these specific business related reasons. Mm-hmm. I think jazz gets to be itself in a way that pop doesn't always. Um, yeah. But that's just my bias. No, I will I, say, I, though, I, harmonically, just to bring us back to that a little bit, Blue and Green has always reminded me so much of WC and Ravel, which is why I, I do feel like Bill Evans, whether he Wrote it in its entirety, or what he definitely must have contributed to this thing in a big way.
0: I think just one, though, last um, mystery part of this song and, and relating it to like oh, mysterious songs this song to me felt like uh, kind of the the Bermuda triangle of forms and tunes when you were first learning to play improvisational yeah. music it was a song that like everybody got lost in the first time they learned it it's like where's the top of the form yeah. where's the end of it it said 10 bars and like but then when you do lock into what the form is and, and how cyclical and beautiful it is it's like it kind of never leaves Reese, big thief, nah, uh, take it away, man.
2: Oh my God, this song, every time. It just takes me all the way <laughs> to, okay, so I'm going to bring back something that I was talking about when we brought in Miles Davis, right? Mm-hmm. So me and my personal life, I think there's been in recent times kind of like mining past history, mining personal history to discover like what makes me who I am, What makes it like, 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 what is unique about my experience? And also just like, how do I make sense of the whole human experience? And like, sometimes I feel like it's valuable to look back in time, you know, so like, the night terrors thing came up for me around Miles Davis, because, as I mentioned, it was this experience that I had from a really young age of glimpsing something that's unspeakable, this like psychedelic lifting of the veil. Of our common day to day reality. Because on a day to day basis, like I'm thinking I'm this body that's picking up the glass of water and drinking it. But then, like these psychedelic experiences that can happen from a tragedy, from a crisis, from drugs, from, you know, really grief striking experiences can shock our awareness into realizing how much we don't know. And that's what this song for me touches on is Mm. like the unknowable and the absolute infinite ocean of grief that's present when we begin to glimpse how small we are as individuals and how vast the universe is and how vast our not knowing is. So what's strange and mysterious about this song is that the entire song is talking about something that it that isn't the things that being that's being talked about. Mm. So it's like it's not the energy reeling, which first of all is so much of what's being talked about in this song is so intense. Yeah. I feel like it's this like modern resurgence of punk. Like mm-hmm. the spirit is so punk. So the visceralness of some of the things that they're bringing up that it's not is like It's not the blood of you bleeding as you try to let go. Like, what? (laughs)
0: What? That's so intense. That breakdown just blew my mind because it also put the something as as just not as heavy, but uh, just the guitar solo that put the guitar solo in such a different light because it's I loved the solo because of the energy and just the like just no frills and it's just this is what this is what I'm playing and 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 Adrian like crushes it but it's not a superficial solo it's not like look at this solo look what I can do it's just this weight from the instrument being poured out and then you put it in that context of like, there's no frills, there's no any like this song is just this song. Yeah, I feel I feel emotionally uh, much different now than I did <laughs> even like five <laughs> minutes ago.
1: I think there's something about like this combination of lyrics that are like systematically ruling out all these things where it's like some of them are really powerful and big and nearly inexplicable and some of them less so but pairing that with a very emotional musical landscape i can't articulate (laughs) what this song's about and i think that's what it's about
2: (laughs) yes Yeah. yeah In the name of mysterious songs, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a little journey here. So part of my influence in un, in being so excited about this song is because my dad was a Zen Buddhist monk in Japan for seven years.
1: I did not know that.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that e- about Happy either. I didn't know that at all, actually. But yeah, that's...
2: Yeah, so he's a visual artist. He's yep. a visual, his name is Haptivi. He's a visual artist and he does light art, which is like immersive art that like in a big way for me speaks to what this song offers, which mm-hmm. is like it offers you a glimpse into limitless consciousness. Growing up, I occasionally would get to see this guy who was my dad's teacher, his mm-hmm. uh, Zen teacher. And his name was Roshi uh, Kato Fukushima. And he would g- offer these lectures that my brother and I would go to when we were literal, like at universities. My dad would help him out with these lectures. And so from a little age, in addition to, from a small age, in addition to having these night terrors, I was also simultaneously getting introduced to a v- glimpse, of like a, a, a version of spirituality that seeks to bring our awareness to whatever it is that I think this song <laughs> is trying to bring our awareness to. Yeah. My understanding of Zen Buddhism from a kind of jaded place is it's so much like the song cuz it's like nope that's not it <laughs>
3: <laughs> like you go and you go
2: you go to the retreat yeah. and you bring your heart and your soul and you're like you know I'm bringing my whole heart's my whole life's suffering and my whole life's desire for awakening and I bring it to the teacher and the teacher just looks at me point blank and goes basically like nope That's not it. (laughs) Go go have a seat and sit down for a couple more years and see if you can get a little closer. (laughs)
1: Yeah, on a slightly lower level, I feel like you could apply the term enlightenment to you know just understanding and learning and the stages that you go through there. Um, Like just because it's the world we're in right now, the music theory world. um, Would you talk about? Like harmony, you know, you start out as a begetter and for a while you cling to these things that you think are like rules and truths and this is the way things have to work. But the more you learn, the less you can definitively know anything, you know? Like I think Ooh, yeah, I think I my that. very last week of college, Steve who uh, who is my favorite teacher at Berkeley, um, advanced harmonic concepts, hardest class I think I took. And he was like, after all these years of learning all this very complicated theory at the end of the day, any chord could go to any chord. You just kind of need to know what you're doing, you know? And it was like, if you had told me that on day one, I would have been like, I, what's the point of learning anything then?
3: I know your spine
0: I, I want to get recent, like, your take on this I, I know Adrian uh, Lanker's been referred to as like uh, the quote was Neil Young at the height of his powers Woo! I want to get your sense <laughs> uh, of that I totally agree with it the I guitar agree. playing yeah. too as well I mean particularly the uh, solo reminds me so it's good. very reminiscent of, of some Neil Young solos
2: Adrian Lenker and Miles Davis, there's something really important there in my mind, which is that there's this pure, raw intimacy and emotion and daring to access the parts of our souls as humans that are just utterly dark and scary. And I think like this is where this theme of grief comes back for me is that I am so impressed by how this song brings up so many important things like the fire lapping up the creek. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about climate change, like the grief of wondering if we're going to be on a habitable planet in 30 years. You know, like I'm seeing like, nor the boy I'm seeing with her long black hair. Like there's a play on gender here. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think she's, you know, making a gesture even in those two lines to the direction in which we all experience some degree of grief by the limiting aspect of being held in these bodies and these identities that like keep us feeling essentially small.
3: let you eat Massive
0: admiration for just thinking of like her touring with this song and having to, and and, and the entire set too. I'm not as familiar with all Big Thieves music, but like how emotionally draining that is. And you got to get up and do that the next night and do it the next night and the next like, just thinking of like a 30 day run of this material and being like truly spent because from the first note, the entire band you can tell is like pouring. Everything they've got. Pouring everything. uh, Amazing.
1: Wait, Carter, stop it. What did he just say?
0: I heard like the wind or ride the wind.
2: Mm. All right, let me try again.
0: Yeah, here we go. I heard long the wind. Mm. Well, we're off to a, a very mysterious start. Mejia, what track are we listening to here?
1: I can't tell you. Because nobody knows what the actual title of this Well, somebody in the world knows. Um, it is unofficially, in certain corners of the internet, referred to as the most mysterious song on the internet. Um, there's a group of people who call it Like the Wind. Another group of people who call it Blind the Wind. Um, but... To your question of what we're listening to, I'm not entirely sure, Carter.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, very mysterious selection. Um, Wait, I had, to, I had to Google this while we're yep. doing the podcast. I'm looking
2: at the Wikipedia page for it, and it's mm-hmm. not providing any <laughs> answers. I know. I know.
1: I did as much research on this song as I do for other songs where I've like analyzed scores and stuff like that, but it was so hard to find anything That mostly I just watched like conspiracy videos on the internet for (laughs) like hours of my life, which was kind of funny because I realized because of the timing of episodes, the last episode I think I would have been on would have been the one where I intentionally dug too deep into Smash Mouth's All Star and came up with my own conspiracies, like just based on lyrical interpretation and stuff like that, that I know aren't real. So the fact that I dove into an actual internet mystery is um, maybe a hint at how the pandemic's going yeah. for me at this stage, how I it guess. it starts.
0: You're going to red pill yourself by accident by just like through this yeah. mystery <laughs> song. I, I, I have actually a question for you, Mejia and, and Reese, I'd love your thoughts as well. Mm. What band do you think this could be? Like if if there was a band Dude. that maybe they were just like messing around, didn't want people to know that it was them. I thought Duran Duran could maybe, like, there's, I'm getting that kind of vibe.
1: It's like Depeche Mode fronted by Rick Astley doing an impression of the police. So you have <laughs> like, thought about this very,
0: even... very deeply then. <laughs> so
1: we could put this in show notes, but there is an extensive spreadsheet that a bunch of Redditors have made ruling out different people they have found out were not involved wow. in this song. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: Wait, so we have, a, we have a theme here from songs one and two and now now, not, not. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm so <kidding. laughs> like literally. <Yeah. laughs> this is another case of the not. Like, mm, yeah, we. This is we're again talking about what we don't know. We
1: know
0: uh-huh. we don't know what uh, we don't know. Uh you know? there. You exactly. Got there. Yeah, exactly. To
1: understand what something is, you must first rule out what it is yep. not. Yes. Before we dive too deep into this, I'm going to go ahead and discourage listeners and the two of you and myself from diving too deep into it, because there are people who have spent like a decade of their lives trying to solve this mystery. Um, The general consensus of things people do agree on, it was something that was played on German radio around 1984, possibly a demo from an unknown band that got mixed into a pile of discs. Reese, if you were to come up with a band that could have done this, oh song.
2: man, I feel so nervous to even try because
1: <laughs> I have
0: no That's the idea. ultimate <laughs> spot to be put on. Like, it's like, yeah, here's this, there's 30 seconds of this mystery song that nobody can attribute to any artist ever. Who do you think maybe could have done?
1: T- I mean, so I I have warned Martin Fowler from the Soundfly team, who um, is a production genius and a great bass player and has all kinds of theory. I've warned him that I do kind of think he could be somebody who gets us closer to solving this Mm. mystery, so he knows that I'm going to bug him about this at some point. Um, But people have dug into things like the synth line. So... That's probably a preset on a Yamaha DX7. The internet has done this for me. I don't just know my presets that well. The Yamaha DX7 came out in 83.
0: Sure, but it was all it was like the most ubiquitous synth ever at that time, so it doesn't mm-hmm. narrow it down at all as to like who actually. But I did. mean like
1: it, it means it can't be earlier True. than that if nothing else. God,
0: what a what a mystery.
1: So I'm not going to dive too deep into some of that stuff because there are people who have done amazing amounts of research for better or for worse. And like I said, we'll put a link to that Reddit thread in show notes. There's so much good stuff. People have done covers and we'll check out a couple of those in a second. People have shared their theories on where this came from. People with industry experience have jumped in and talked about like um, royalties organizations overseas and how that might have worked. There has been a lot of kind of oddly beautiful collaboration on the internet in an attempt to solve the mystery of hmm. this song, which in itself is mysterious to me. You know, like what is it about this mystery that has intrigued this? Yeah, I don't. People? I
0: don't get it. I honestly don't. I, I the song is cool. It's chill, but I, I don't think I would yeah, ever fine. like. Oh, I don't know who that is. It's fine.
1: Well, it sounds like a hundred other songs.
0: Yeah, I don't. The biggest mystery is, yeah, why you would maybe spend an extended period of your life trying to to figure it out. But that's 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 that's. that's <laughs> I mean, it for, is though. It's fair. That's mysterious. not for me to decide like if that's what you want to do. That's fine. That's,
2: that's like that. Just that's a testament to the mystery of the internet. Yeah. Is like uh-huh. literally how how is it that there are so many people doing so many niche niche things with their time? Yeah. You can literally think of anything and find like 8,000 people that are obsessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. And I think that speaks to the power of music, even outside of the music itself. And I, I, I would think this is kind of more a recent development in how we choose to appreciate music because it is so much entertainment nowadays versus, and i I know I've brought this up in the past, but you know, historically music is uh tied to like worship or it's a means of preserving history and things like that and right now for most of us it's pretty much some form of entertainment so the fact that it could still create this sense of community over a song that is good but like carter like you're saying it's ultimately pretty forgettable (laughs) there's so much stuff that sounds like this it feels like there's these people who are just like reaching out and desiring connection um
2: Wait, so are you, are you saying that people are reaching out and desiring connection via the community of people that are obsessed with this song?
1: Exactly.
2: So it's almost like this song has become a vehicle, mm. and I, I said mm-hmm. vehicle already once in this episode. That's fair. Uh, okay, thanks, Carter. <laughs> I needed that encouragement. <laughs> um, I, so this, this song is like a vehicle for people to discover one another via yep. a, maybe... Quite arbitrary subject.
1: Totally. There's something safe about it. You know, like if you scroll through that subreddit, people have done a lot of different versions. And one thing that surprised me is how many of them were done on GarageBand. Yeah. It's a great piece of software, but if you consider yourself a, a music professional who has production skills there's a good chance you've graduated to something else you know yeah um but people feel empowered to be like hey i opened the free daw that came on my computer and i made my version of this that's song that's awesome i don't feel like it's done but what do you guys think i'm excited to share it the yeah.
0: truly mind-blowing thing about this is that almost 40 years ago there was a dj in germany somewhere that was like Crap, I can't, like, I don't know what we're playing next. Just grab the tape, threw it in, hit play. (laughs) And now nobody knows what the track is, but it has had this this shelf life of, like, <laughs> that it would never... like If you life. knew the band, too, there's it's more likely that it would have been like, oh, cool, I know those guys for, like, six months to a year, and then then they went away, and I never heard from them again.
1: Well, I mean, it's partly the power of YouTube, too, right? Like, I think that it was a mystery that was floating around. There's a connection to um, Canadian radio at one point and things now like that. Now you've
0: piqued my interest, but for I, sure. If it... <laughs> I think
1: the big moment happened, and I, I'm sure if anybody who knows and cares about this mystery here's the, the there's a way to correct me here but i think the big moment for this mystery happened when um a youtuber named justin wang who specializes in investigating these sorts of mysteries <laughs> uh, picked up the story he's got like i think it's like a five part series on this topic of
0: course if you have no idea what i'm talking about or you just want to freshen up on the topic i suggest watching my other videos about the song
1: first well you know it's the internet between AI and the hive mind of technology, I fully expected to find out that this mystery had yeah, been solved yeah, definitively by now. But like when it first surfaced, Shazam couldn't identify it. People have since claimed it and been debunked. Um, oh,
0: I want to know more yeah, about that. Who's, who's claiming yeah, yeah. this track? That's... I That's know, pretty right? gross. <laughs> <It's>
1: like, <laughs> Nobody that you've heard of, and this crew of people who are for whatever reason so passionate about this, crossed it out on their spreadsheet and found reasons to prove it couldn't have yeah, been those people. They believe
0: in justice. This is thievery. You can't. You can't <laughs> steal somebody else's art, regardless of like that. Oh, like, how sad is that though? Too that you can't. <laughs> you could write a song like this and produce a song like this and get it out I know. there. Like.
1: There's like, a lot of it is very typical. And I, I did want to talk about the writing and the, the music a little bit here. Like in terms of the harmony, these are chords that we've heard a hundred times. It's a cool progression. It has some ambiguity to it. You know, we're kind of floating between like D major and B minor, which is pretty common in in rock music. And, and to me, I think part of that sort of thing working is, um, unlike in jazz, where you have extended chords like sevenths, triads, Sus chords power chords are they're a little non-committal there aren't as many notes to establish what's going on with them you know
0: i'm having such a hard time love, taking it seriously, that seriously though like I, I love the breakdown i love that you're breaking it down but i also i just have such a hard time being like yeah let's dig into the harmony of this mystery yeah, song uh, sorry sorry reese you were I you know. were saying
2: oh it's not important i just when I listened to it, I was blown away by this funky like synthesizer yeah. solo yeah. that yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That's like very simple and like repet like even the guitar mm-hmm. solo in that you get a breakdown eventually. I'm hesitant to even call it a solo. You know, it's just like, oh. Yeah. That's the thing that's standing out the most oh, right now. Right. Yeah. The fact that it, it uses such simple familiar chords in a way that's kind of cool instead of just like you know here's b minor and then here's the five chord mm-hmm. it makes it so that these covers can exist you know like it, it's all simple enough that if you can play a few bar chords you can play this song <laughs> and the lyrics that you choose to sing are going to be based on your own interpretation for sure um that could be a really fun project if anybody's bored. I tried to like look at the rhyme scheme and stuff and be like, mm, maybe I can find some logical, I'm ninety percent sure this is what that is based on that. There's some rhyme in the chorus and that's it. So that didn't get me anywhere. (laughs) But bit scansion throughout from what (laughs) I can tell and things like that. Like it's a, it's a straightforward song. It's well-written possibly. I I think
0: I'm getting it now in terms of the fan base of this track and where Mm
1: -hmm. the
0: novelty of learning a song like this and putting your own spin on that is really, really cool. That's cool. Like doing your own take on this mystery song that is has not been attributed to any artist ever, which is is still like just weird.
1: And I hope it never is. The song has given people the means to explore their creativity in so many ways, whether it's creating their own versions mm-hmm. of the song or just coming up with new leads to chase. Since we're talking about other versions, Carter, can you give us like 10 seconds of the ones that I threw your way earlier today, please?
3: So <laughs>
0: Okay, I totally get it because hearing these covers, I did have the thought. It's like, you know what? I could spend an afternoon doing this, and I think that would right? be time well spent. I think you should do an all-base cover. And bass it would be cover. very fun. I'm not going to do that. There's,
1: do an all no, bass cover. No. Do it.
0: You got to make music that you would want to listen to yourself, and I would not, not do that. <laughs> uh, Reese, man, multi-talented, multifaceted, brilliant dude. I love you, man. Please... Share with our listeners what you're up to musically these days, what you got coming down the pipe. Just anything. The floor is yours, my dude. Please share. Share what's going on in your life musically. i are putting your
1: radio voice on right now. Yeah,
0: I'm working on it. But uh, more importantly, Reese, what are you working on, my man?
2: Oh, I love it. Wow. Thanks for that very sweet offering, (laughs) invitation. I am... Now offering vocal lessons, which I'm really excited about. And so I'm really excited to, like, if you want to go to com, there's a little tab there for vocal coaching. You can reach out to me if you're interested in doing some vocal lessons with me. That is something that I've been having a lot of fun deep diving into. I'm integrating, like, Qigong movement with – I have a background in yoga also. So, like, once you're getting – integrating breath, body, movement, awareness with – vocal approach with Hmm. research-based vocal techniques for developing the voice sustainably um yeah that's something that i'm that i'm really excited to be kind of doing these days and otherwise i am developing my next solo project i released an album last year in 2020 the the Notorious 2020. Um, <laughs> You've and, heard of it, of folks. You've definitely <laughs> yeah. heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not actually yeah. the name yeah. of the album. The name of the album is... <laughs> I, now, at this point, I wish that was the name of the album.
3: <laughs> no, uh.
2: the name of the album is Unsteady. And I am super stoked on the album. I love the album. I'm really excited by the reception that mm-hmm. it's gotten. It's gotten some solid reception. And, uh, you know, listenings in places that uh, I'm like, oh, there's people listening to my music in Mexico City awesome. in Brazil. You know, I'm like, ooh, this is so fun. Um, so, yeah, take a listen to that album. Subscribe and share and keep uh, in touch. Get on my mailing list through my website. Keep in touch so I can update you about the next projects. Keep in touch so we can work together on voice. And uh, I'm producing music. If you're a uh, budding, glorious songwriter and you want somebody to work with to bring your songs to a blossomed production arena, then reach out
3: to me as well.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Themes and Variation. Thank you so much for listening. We want to know your favorite mysterious songs. So as always, there's a link to a Spotify community playlist in our show notes. Feel free to add your selections there. And we have a very special challenge for our listeners and community members for the month of May. We want you to take a stab at creating your own cover of the most mysterious song on the Internet. Send your submissions to podcast at soundfly.com by May 30th, and we'll feature some of our favorites on our blog Flypaper and this very podcast. And be sure to check out soundfly.com for all of your music learning needs. And as a special treat, we're going to play this episode out with a personal favorite track of mine from Reese Tivy called Unsteady. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme.
3: Wonder why do I pour all my soul water into your unsteady hands to cross